Before we get into this episode, if you enjoy the Cricket Mentoring Podcast, I'd love it if you could please take 60 seconds to leave a review, as it helps us get heard by more people. G'day legends and welcome to the Cricket Mentoring Show. This is the first show of this series and we're really, really excited with what we're going to bring to you. My name's Tom Scully, I'm the founder of Cricket Mentoring and Head Mentor here, and uh, with me is Blake Reed, our senior mentor. Reedy, welcome, how are you? I'm good, thanks mate. Um, it only took you about four or five years to get me a gig on the show, but um, no, it's great to be here and looking forward to it. Yes, well we've had the Cricket Mentoring podcast going for quite a while now, and we're just trying to bring more value, add more value to our audience, and with so much cricket going on around the world at the moment, we thought we'd just create a little show, we're going to try and come to you guys every week and try and give you a little bit of value and give our thoughts on what's going on in cricket around the world. So, Reedy, what's happening in cricket around the world at the moment? Um, obviously, we've got the all-important fifth test coming up, the Ashes. Um, oh, we're waiting on the toss currently as we speak, as we record this, so it's, it's exciting. Um, looks like a green wicket, so who knows what will happen there. Um, I've been really enjoying South Africa and India, I think that's been one of my favourite series for a while, it's proper cricket, um, bit in it for batters and bowlers, which is important Yeah, me. Absolutely, and I don't watch, I haven't been watching much of that, it's on a bit late at night for me, I'm trying to get to bed early these days, but Reedy stays up and watches that, so he'll fill us in on a bit of that, obviously Bangladesh are in New Zealand at the moment, and just finished their test series, which was very exciting. We've got the women's ashes coming up and um, well done to Alana King who was a cricket mentoring mentor uh, last winter. She worked in our female winter academy so really proud of her. Congratulations to Kingy. And then the under 19 World Cup is getting underway this evening with Australia taking on the host the West Indies which we're very excited about. Obviously our boy Teague Wiley is going to be opening the batting we think for Australia. He opened the batting in the warm-up match so we'll be talking a little bit more about that later in the show. But we're going to start with what have we noticed in world cricket? Reedy, you can kick us off. What's going on and what have you noticed in world cricket? Um, well, I think it's been, as you've seen in the Ashes and even in South Africa, it's been carnage. Um, batting looks extremely difficult at the moment at the highest level. And I think there's been some favourable bowling wickets. And I guess some people enjoy that. They want to see more of that. Some people want to see more hundreds scored, I guess. But... Um, I think it tests every part of your technique and that's something that I'm sure we're going to discuss a lot a lot more as we go, but um, I think potentially, yeah, white ball could officially be having a serious effect on techniques um, and getting some batters into trouble, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's something we talk about a lot. The more white ball that's played, the more your method and your technique goes away from what's needed in red ball, the more you sort of practice your hitting, you forget how to leave the ball and there's so many other things that just little things that over a period of time creep into your game and so much white ball cricket at the moment that it's no doubt having an effect on red ball techniques and temperaments, the ability to bat long periods, the ability to leave balls, the ability to absorb absorb lots of pressure. Um, and yeah, it's absolutely testing them all at the moment and I think there are some pretty poor techniques out there. It's something that we talk to, about all of, to all of our players about is if you want to play at the highest level, you have to have a amazing fundamentals otherwise you will get found out by the moving ball and you can get away with it when the ball doesn't move you can get away with it on flat wickets and in white ball cricket but as soon as the ball starts to move and guys like Jimmy Anderson or Pat Cummins and these world-class bowlers they're gonna they're gonna found you out as a few 
guys have been sort of found out in this test series in Australia, in Bangladesh and New Zealand, and also in South Africa. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't want to be facing Pat Cummins bombing the, those uh, absolute laser beams either. So I, yeah, credit to them for being the ones out there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're certainly, what we're trying to do here is just sort of add some value. We're, we're certainly not trying to be armchair critics. We know how tough the game is. We're both obviously played a fair bit. Um, a first grade cricket and not a whole lot beyond that. So we know these guys are exceptional cricketers, but we're just sort of offering our sort of two cents on what's going on in the world. So for me, what I've noticed is test cricket is still the best format. And, and most cricket lovers, most people I talk to, probably not your teenagers, but most people maybe over 20 or 25, they love test cricket still. And there's been a lot of sort of backlash in England, I know, and towards the England test team because... What they're doing at the moment is a byproduct of their sort of um, prioritising white ball cricket. And obviously England's been one of the best white ball teams in T20 and ODIs for the last few years, last five or six years. They won the 2019 World Cup. Um, but it's, ha it's been at the detriment of their red ball cricket. They've prioritised white ball cricket and they're formatting in throughout their summer. And it has meant that the red ball game has really sort of fallen away. And, and you can see in the England test team, three nil down, almost 4-0 in the last test. People love test cricket and we need good quality test cricket. We need a good product for it to keep going. And I was absolutely on the edge of my seat in the last test where Australia were trying to bowl in and out. England were just going for a draw. They weren't even trying to win. Mm. And it was captivating. It was high quality. I find that much more exciting than the T20 these days. I love yep. the ebbs and flows of test cricket. And to me, that's what I've noticed, and I'm hearing a lot of noise from people who are a bit older about how good test cricket is. I think it's it's so good to see that. It's all gone a bit full circle, really. Like, the excitement of T20 cricket is, is I reckon, diminishing um, in front of our eyes, personally. Like, I think people are already bored of it, and it's it's been around for, like, nearly two decades, and... I think it's finally gone full circle where people are enthralled by the, a genuine contest, um, the tactical side of the game, the mental side of the game. They, they're starting to see the deeper levels of, of cricket and that's something we enjoy the most too, I'd say. And um, yeah, it's good. It's yeah. good, for, good for cricket. And it's called test cricket for a reason because it's an ultimate test of all of your sort of pillars. It's a test of your technique. It's a test of your temperament, your tactical side of the game. It's a test of your mental and your emotional skills to be able to back up day after day. It's a huge test of your physicality and how well your body can recover. So, yeah, and that's that's what it's about. Like, T20 cricket can be exciting at times, but often the games just go a similar pattern. You know what's going to happen, whereas test cricket can sort of turn so quickly and then you've got two guys that have to fight. And I think Johnny Bairstow's innings in the last test was amazing, sort of mm -hmm. counter-punching the Aussies and... Yeah, that's something I'm loving, and I really, really hope that the, the governing bodies, the powers to be, the ICC, and then all the, the governing bodies really try and prioritise test cricket moving forward. I know that TV rights are a lot about um, T20 cricket and T10 cricket even, but I really hope that the governing bodies continue to give some value and some priority to red ball cricket, because in my opinion, I grew up loving test cricket. That is the pinnacle. Yeah, I think the World Test Championship was a step in the right direction, I think it still needs to, it can be held even higher um, in the cricketing hierarchy, like the world, I guess. Um, I think it's got to be the most important one. And I get, I think New Zealand winning that sort of, like it sort of showed that any team can like push to win it. So um, there's a nice balance there and 
I think it's good for the game. Well, as we speak, England have won the toss. I believe that's the first toss England have won this series, and that is big. We want, I wanted England to win the toss in Sydney because I believe that would have given them a better chance of winning the game um, if they were to be able to do what they did. I think bat first. They ended up, Australia won the toss and bowled uh, and batted and obviously then dominated the test. But Joe Roots won his first toss for the series, which will make a big difference. We've got the screen next to us. England oh. wins the toss and fields. Interesting decision. It's obviously very green down in Hobart. So there must be a bit of moisture in the wicket. Looks like there's overhead conditions. It's been a bit wet. So very exciting. Um, I like the fact, I, I really am, am happy that England have won the toss. Gives them the best chance to sort of use the conditions well, which evens it up a little bit. I think I love the sort of when the overseas team wins the toss and gets to do what they want to do first, or they get to bowl or bat first it slightly makes the contest more even rather than the home team getting the best of the conditions, which the foreign team aren't used to. I think, yeah, good good result with England in the top. Still think that's an interesting decision. I've heard Warney and a few others this morning on the Big Bash commentary saying, while Hobart can look like that, it's deceptively, it can be deceptively flat. And I think you look at the servers, that's very even. So, well... It should be. I think pink ball maybe though is a different one. Like I think that is going to zing around on that grass. So well, time will tell. And, and if not, Aussies get knocked over in two sessions, well then they'll be bowling with the pink ball on the same wicket under light. So time yeah. will tell. Yeah, that could come back to bite them actually. Yeah. It'll uh, be interesting. Now let's move on to what we've enjoyed. What have you enjoyed, Reedy? We've sort of said what we've noticed and a little bit about enjoying the Test cricket stuff. But what have you enjoyed? Yeah. Well, going back to that South Africa series, I think. Watching cricket there is yeah one of the best contests you can you can see. Um, I think there's there's been it's a couple of epic games and they're currently in the the deciding test now, which looks like it's going to come down to the wire again um, with a big chase again for South Africa. But I just yeah one of the best things I watched this year I reckon in cricket has been that was that run chase in the second test, watching Dean Elgar like do everything he possibly could to win that game for his country. I think that could be a real turning point for for South African cricket. Um, they're starting to gain a lot more confidence in what they're doing, that's for sure. So, um, But I think seeing that chase, a run chase, as we know, it's one of the hardest things to do. And I think it tests you mentally, tests you technically, tactically. You got, they're going to be spreading the field to certain players, all that sort of thing. So it's one of the, yeah, it was enthralling. And, I stayed up pretty late watching it, so yeah, it was good. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I, as I said at the start of the show, I haven't watched any of the series. I, I sort of am with the family in the evening or trying to get to bed early or coaching, so I don't get to watch it, unfortunately. I haven't been watching it, but you've been filling me in and telling me it's the best. Test cricket in South Africa is the best to watch because it's a real competition. It's a real even competition between bat and ball. If you bowl well, you get rewarded. If you bat well, you get rewarded, and it sounds like it's been really, really exciting. For me, what I've enjoyed is I always love an underdog. I always love someone coming back against sort of the odds. And I love seeing Usman. Um, I'm not a huge Usman fan um, until recently. I've really enjoyed his social media sort of antics and how he's really personable these days. So I've really warmed to him in recent times. But I really enjoyed seeing him do well. Not, not just sort of getting 100, but getting 200. I really enjoyed him doing well. And I love that sort of underdog story. Um, I love seeing Ross Taylor get a wicket with his final <laughs> ball in Test cricket um, to win the Test match, and then these teammates mob him. For me, that's what the game's about. It's, it's enjoying the success of your teammates and the success with your teammates. So Ross Taylor's 
final match, they all got around him and no doubt there was plenty of beers um, in the change rooms after that. And then the final thing for me, I enjoyed the English fight in the Sydney Test. I really, even though I'm an Aussie, I really wish England had put up more of a fight in this Test Series, which I sort of mentioned earlier, but I really enjoyed the fight in Sydney. I thought Bairstow's innings was awesome uh, in the first innings. And I loved how they took it right down to the very end. And I hope we get to see something like that in this test in Hobart. I hope it goes at least four days or five days and it's a close contest. It's not one-sided. The Aussies dominating. Love, really love to see um, yeah, the English put up a fight. And uh, I'm sure, I was just thinking then, as Pat Cummins was doing his interview, as a, as a fast bowling captain, he probably wasn't too disappointed losing that toss and getting to take the new ball on a, on a green seamer in Hobart. Yeah, well, that's it, yeah. But I think... The- Going back to Ross Taylor, isn't it funny that some rubbish can get wickets in cricket? And like, as you say it so often in cricket, it's pretty funny. I hit a fully to cover on the weekend. That's just how the game works, sadly. But um, no, going yeah with the Ashes, it has been disappointing. Um, but yeah, hopefully this game, they can finish the series on a high note and have a bit of excitement. First yeah. first test in Hobart, so Ashes yeah. test in Hobart. Now, just on that point of, of shit getting wickets, um, I've had a few conversations this week with good young players who say that they, they keep getting out to bad balls or the, the change bowler comes on or whatever. And for me, it's all about our level of focus dropping. So we focus hard when sort of we're facing the good bowlers or we're facing good balls. And when we get a full toss or drag down or whatever, we have that moment where we just let our focus dip a little and that's where mistakes live. That's where mistakes happen is when our focus just dips a little, a little and it happens so often. You see the full toss, you see the drag down, you see the, the part-time bowler come on and that just breaks the batter's concentration, just breaks the level of focus and that's where a mistake happens. It's, it's not, certainly not because it's a good ball but it does happen way too often for what, for what like it should be. Yeah, well, I've made a career out of that as an opening batter, I've spent many Saturdays, what like sitting or getting through the tough opening spells, and then you sit, you get out to the first change or the spinner, and then all of a sudden you're sitting there for seventy odd overs watching your mates pile them on um, against the lesser of the attacks. So, yeah, very frustrating, is it? Now, next segment of this show is what we haven't enjoyed. Ready? What about you? Uh, my mates will give me a bit of stick for this because I've been banging on about it um, since it happened. But the MCG wicket I thought was really disappointing. I thought, like, it was they went way too far to the extreme of trying to make it exciting, go off the back of the dead pitches in previous years. But like, I think it was eleven mils of grass, um, and that for Steve Smith to come out and say he's never played on anything like that in his career he's played a lot of cricket in his career for him to say he's never batted on anything like that it's never seen same movement like that um i think is extraordinary and i actually thought what we saw unfold was just inevitable and i didn't think there was a genuine contest between the bat and ball yeah i saw some guys dug in but even when they were batting for long periods they never once looked settled there weren't many of the old classical shots because they just you simply couldn't play it otherwise you're gonski. Yeah, well, I, we sort of disagreed a bit on this during the test match with a few <laughs> messages. I thought it was a pretty good wicket. Um, I didn't mind the ball, but dominating the bat for, in test cricket for once. But it sort of the way it panned out and the way what Steve Smith said afterwards, it did sort of seem like it maybe was too extreme. But 
I'm not against, absolutely not against a few sort of tricky wickets, but what you want with test cricket is it might be hard for the first day or few sessions, but ultimately you want it to then flatten out and maybe turn later on in the match, but it seems like this, this yeah. wicket didn't do that. I think you'd rather see deterioration like Sydney, I think, and it's what you do see in South Africa. I think that that's, makes it a bit more of a better contest, um, but that was just an absolute minefield and like, yeah, good luck to anyone. Well, as we speak, the screen has just said best, though, is ruled out of the fifth test with a thumb injury. So that's massive news for England and very unfortunate, obviously, the, the best batter for them in the first innings in Sydney, Johnny Best, though. So um, not sure who Ollie Pope will probably come in or, or um, I think Sam Billings Sam might be Billings in. Sam Billings might be getting the gloves, I think. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Now, for me, something that I haven't enjoyed is I think the Big Bash has too many games. I don't even know when games are on at the moment. This Big Bash, I've been really quite disengaged. There's games on during the day that you don't even know about. I couldn't tell you who's doing well and who's not. Obviously, I follow Josh Philippi and, and Wellesley really closely and, and check their scores and keep an eye on the scorchers with Vogue as the coach, but I just think it's too long. And, I, and living in a bubble, the players now are saying to Buck on the phone this morning that... I just imagine the players don't enjoy it as much as they used to in the past. They had to have a two-week, a two-month period where they could sort of play every few days, travel around the country, have a good time, and and it was a real spectacle, big crowds, and, and a real sort of a great energy around the Big Bash. But I feel like that's not there anymore with the so much COVID and, and so many they're they're all in a bubble and they can't do much. And the Scorchers boys, for example, are away from home for two full months. It must be so challenging for the players. And for me, as a cricket lover and a spectator. I just don't have that same love, and we're into BBL 11 now, as sort of the first seven, eight, nine, ten years. Yeah, no, it's becoming blatantly obvious. Um, you can see it, you can see the players are pretty cooked with what they're having to deal with, um, being in the bubble life. I think it takes out of them emotionally and mentally, uh, mostly. Um, I think Adam Zanford was, came out and said that he's struggling to get up for it now. Um, I think in games you see very similar patterns all the time and they just, through the middle overs, teams are really struggling to, I guess, come up with a, a decent plan of how they want to go about it and then the, the power surge is actually having a negative effect on the batting side, which is an interesting one. Maybe they're not adapting their game well enough though and then, yeah, it's just the games are just fizzing out really quite often and it's, it's tough viewing sometimes. It's, yeah frustrating yeah a product that um, has given so much value for us for a long time now is going to have to think be looked at quite closely by the cricket by cricket australia um the powers to be uh i think jason berendorf came out and said what would you they asked him what would you change about the big bash and he tried to be diplomatic but he sort of said it's been spoken about and it's gone on for too it goes on for too long so i think the players feel that sort of pinch as well so Time will tell with um, what happens with the Big Bash, but yeah, watch this space, I guess. Next year, it'll be interesting to see what they do. And obviously, it all comes down to dollars. It comes down to media rights. The more games they show on TV, the more money they get paid by the broadcasters. So money has a huge um, uh, sort of impact on the decisions that are made, but hopefully the players and, and the, the cricket audience are, are sort of taken into account as well. well yeah, I, you're, not, you're not really in the Twitter world, are you? But um, you see it. Every time there's a game on, there's people like, what is, what's going on here? Like, it's just, there's no crowds, um, they're bored of it, they're seeing the same stuff over and over. So, yeah, I think when it was early and the, each game had a lot of riding on it, you played each other twice, was it roughly, max, 
home game, away game, and then finals. Like I think teams will have to then be really on and firing to win the tournament rather than like there's yeah, there's about three or four different waves of form before you actually get to finals and then anything can happen really. But yeah. Now let's move on. We're gonna try and add some value. So we've just done a bit of a wrap of what's going on in the world and, and with this sort of today we want to talk about Virat Kohli, the great Virat Kohli, one of the best batters ever, one of the best batters of our generation, part of the, the Fab Four and the Big Four that get, gets sort of talked about, along with Root Williamson and Smith. He's been out of form for some time now, hasn't scored 100 since 2019, his average in test cricket since the start of 2020 has been 30-something, and his, way, his numbers are way down on what they used to be. And now Steve Smith's sort of not dissimilar since the Ashes in 2019, he's averaged 40, which is well below his 60, average of 61 before that. Um, but Virat was back in the runs in the first innings, and I know you texted me saying, oh, you're watching Virat, he's batting so well, and you've got some thoughts on that in a minute, but I read a great article the next morning which was speaking about his technique and how he's made tiny little changes in his, in his trigger and the timing of his trigger and the position of his trigger. And whoever was writing this article on Crick Info, it was a great article, knew what they were talking about with technique, they really understood the little intricacies of technique and um, they said how inches can make a difference in batting. And now I've thought about that and for some time I've been saying to our players, little things make a big difference. Little things make a big difference with technique. You're slightly off and it will make a big impact on how well you hit the ball. But after reading that, I started saying to players this week, millimetres, millimetres make a difference with technique. Not just inches. If your bat face is slightly too close, it can have a huge impact on your bat swing, your bat path. If your head's slightly across, it can have a huge impact on getting your weight into the ball. So for me... Um, I really enjoyed this article and it spoke about Coley's technique, but it's millimetres in batting technique. And it's something that we talk a lot about to our players is trying to get every little detail as good as it can be, as consistent and as repeatable as it can be. Because if you don't, that's when we go back to these challenging wickets against these great bowlers. Your, your technique does get found out. And guys like Hasim Hamid um, has had sort of his technique really tested in this series. Rory Burns and Dob Sibley have had their techniques really tested over the last little period. And if you've got little little flaws they do get found out so that's what this, this um, article was about and, and for me it's little things make a big difference but you when we came into the office the next morning you had a different sort of idea what you noticed wasn't something technical with Coley it was something else what was it yeah so you go back to when India toured England earlier in the year and Coley had his struggles like he looked good in patches but he couldn't he was struggling to convert um, he was what I noticed there, he was trying to absolutely, like, trying to impose himself on the bowlers and really dominate and look to hit the ball really hard, and that's tough to do in the UK when it's moving so much. He also had some technical flaws there that we've discussed previously. Um, his back hit was sort of coming through and all that sort of stuff, but the thing I watched, I saw the other night was he sort of slowed himself down, and we call this, or we like to call it, like, his tempo, and I reckon he pulled his tempo back to, let's say, England, was he was 100, 100%. He pulled it back to about 80% from what I saw. And it looked like he had so much more time. He was letting the ball come to him so much further. Um, he was defending the ball with his shape and head out over on top of the ball. And he was stroking his boundaries. He wasn't trying to absolutely moose them through covers and 
break the fence. He was, he was just stroking the ball when he got the chance. And I think what this was allowing him to do was track the ball for longer because they were tough conditions, as we were saying. It was allowing him to track the ball longer and make a better decision more often rather than sort of being right out in front, making that decision early, looking to hit the ball all the time. And he left the ball so much better than previous times about it this year, in my opinion. Yeah, right. And with the change of tempo, it's again a, a word we use a lot and what we teach our batters is it, it allows you to... So it's about adjusting the pace of your swing. So instead of swinging at 100%, it's about swinging it sort of a, a little bit slower. And that allows you to make little tiny adjustments if the ball does move. You see batters that swing at 100% and they can't slow themselves down and they get beaten on the in or out, inside or outside. They get bowled or they nick off and it flies at sort of shoulder height or chest height and the slips catch it. Whereas when you slow your tempo down a little bit, it can just give you the opportunity to make a minor adjustment and get a little inside edge on it. And if you do nick it, sometimes it doesn't carry. So it does make a big difference. And, and that was obviously a mental thing for Coley as well. It was sort of, it's technical, it's also tactical, but it's mental. It's him just letting the game come to him a little bit more. That's what it looked like. He was absorbing a lot more pressure from the likes of Rabada and that they bowled some outrageous spells at him. But he, was, he had the ability and technique to get through that, I reckon, by just slowing that tempo down a touch. And as you said, just picking them off and allowing the game to come to him. I think he was, he faced a like crazy amount of balls by the time he got to 30 he was up to towards 140 balls or something along those lines and I think that's that shows the difference in where his mind was at yeah absolutely and something that probably hasn't been mentioned we haven't really spoken about in that article they mentioned that you get a stroke of luck you need a bit of luck as a batter yep. and they had stats about how many times he played and missed outside off or how many times he made a false shot in the England series and then in this series and and so far in that innings, in that innings, he'd made a mistake nearly as many times, but it hadn't got him out. Mm. And in batting, you do need a bit of luck. I, I was fascinated when I heard the stat that David Warner, he was bowled by Ben Stokes in the Adelaide Test, I think it was, off a no ball. Yeah. That's the sixth time in his test career he's been out off a no ball, and every time he's got 100. He went on to get 90 on that test. But his numbers would be pretty significantly yep. worse maybe an average sort of three, four, five less if he hadn't have gone on and got those those extra runs. Marnus played and missed a ridiculous number in the first few tests. You, Marnus, do need a, you do need a bit of luck in this game, don't you? Marnus has been dropped about 12, 13 times, I think, I've read as yeah. well. And we've all seen his stats, his numbers in his the start of his career, but that is a, a lot to, to start off. Um, and that's a, that's a lot of luck to get you going and scoring big runs. Yeah. yeah, and that's something we can't control. So it's not something you can coach. It's not something you can sort of strive for. But when you get it, what the good players do, it's it's this is the Warners and the Marnuses, they make it count. If they get it, they make one mistake and it could be out, they get dropped or they get bowled, well, then they, they knuckle down and they make sure they don't make another mistake. And they turn that slow stroke of luck into a great... They make it a great day. They make it a really, really good day as Warner's done and turns those sort of things into hundreds. So any young listeners out there, any young viewers, um, if you do get a stroke of luck, if you do get bowled or out of a no ball, you get dropped, it's your day. You've got to try and do your best to then go on with it and make it a great day. And that to me is what separates the good players from the great players is they get more, they get big runs more often. It's not that they don't fail, 
we'll talk more about this in another show, I'm sure, but it's that they make their good days great days. Yep, that's it. That's just, yeah. They're just hungry. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah, very, very hungry. Never satisfied. Now, let's move on to another segment of this new show. We're going to, the Grinders Club. Now, Reedy, this is your idea. I'm really excited by this one. Let everyone know, let our viewers and our listeners know, what is the Grinders Club and how's this going to work? Yeah, this this has got me going. Um, I am very excited about this one. Um, I think the, the grinders of our game are the ones that are sort of, might not be pretty to watch. They have very low strike rates, 40, 50 at most at, at times. Um, they, they don't care how it looks. They scrap through the tough periods, but they're just not recognised enough in, in our great game. And I think you, you're looking at the, the test cricket at the moment, and I think teams would they would love to have more of them in their side right now because they're actually they could be match winners. And um, I think if you look in at our CM circle, we've got a few grinders. I think we've got we got Chris Rogers. Uh, I think he was one of the great grinders. He'll love this, I reckon. He uh, yeah, he got it done in any conditions, no matter how tough it was, and. He had his methods, and they were different to so many players, but he had his own methods and understood his own game, and he would scrap. And I think, um, I think Young Teague over in the World Cup now, I think he's one of the, going to be one of the great grinders as he goes up the levels. Um, he just loves batting and loves blocking balls. Um, I'm, a proper, I'm a proper battler and a grinder. I don't, yeah, I love, love facing a lot of balls and scrapping with the bowler and competing i think that's one of the great arts of of the game um and so i yeah i want to just recognize these people a lot a lot more um start start introducing a few to the world and and um yeah if we see any yeah i'd love to get some strike rates about 30 or 40 and and really uh get this club up and firing so um i think this week, I want to introduce our our first grinder, and I think watching him play in that run chase um, in South Africa against India, against the likes of Shami, um, Bumrah, Ashwin, all the best, like one of the best attacks in the world. He copped blows left, right, and centre, copped them in the head. He even gave a bit back to the bowlers when they sprayed him at the end because he was getting it done, and I, I love seeing it, and that's Dean Elgar. So... Dean, welcome to the club, man. It's, it's an absolute, absolute pleasure to have you. And uh, look forward to adding a few mates in there. So let's get this right. So we've got Buck, our great mate, who scored test, four test 176 first-class runners and grinded away, would often be described as not very pretty, struggled in T20 cricket, it wasn't his format. We've got yourself, who sort of loves to bat time and accumulate and sort of just sort of get your hundred after tea. Yeah, well, whether that's by choice or not, I, I do stink it up and I can't hit it off the square, so that's that doesn't help me. And we've got Teague, so there are our three. Teague obviously loves facing balls, hates getting out, hates, like he's, he's average career strike rate probably in the 20s. He absolutely <laughs> loves to grind, and that's why I think it's going to be a real challenge for him over in the World Cup in one-day cricket on turning wickets to see how he can sort of grind through that and get through... Um, those periods and, and get his strike rate a bit higher. And then Dean Elgar, welcome to the Grinders Club, um, our first international member. So Dean, if you're watching, you're listening, well done. And 
Shout out to you, mate. And uh, I think we're going to just appreciate these people who are willing to bat time and go through the hard yards compared to the guys who hit 40 off 20 and slog them out of the park in T20 cricket. This is what we want to see more of. Um, and no doubt there'll be other players. We've got to mention a few previous gurus who may join the club retrospectively in the future. Guys like Alistair Cook and Rahul Dravid um, were, were proper grinders as well, weren't they? Yeah, well, that's... Cookie was my favourite player of all time, I reckon, just about. Um, and that would... Yeah, a lot of mates again would spray me for this. Um, but I just love the different aspects that he brought to the game. And um, my goal here is I want to bring grinding back into fashion. I want to bring that back and uh, embrace, get get people embracing it a bit more because how often do we see young players, they might face a lot of balls for not many runs and they think it's a real bad day. And I think we need to get that trending in the other direction with test cricket looking how it is right now. You've got to embrace that and enjoy the challenge of uh, competing and scrapping. Yeah, well, for me, I say, to, I say to the young players that I work with, I say, I'd rather you get 40 off 80 balls than 60 off 60. Yep. And that might sound a bit silly, but I think the best learning for any batter, and especially young batters, is in the middle. So the more time you spend in the middle, the more you're out there, the more you're at the non-strikers end, building partnerships, and you're in the middle, the better you're going to be. The more you're going to learn, the better you're going to be. So any young players, again, listen to this, if you, the more time, without being too selfish and not worrying about the team. If you're chasing 250, you're going to get a strike rate of 20. You need to do what the team needs and what the game dictates. But the more time you can spend in the middle, the better. Yeah, that's it. And scoring runs, there's, there's different periods where you're going to go well, you're going to struggle. So um, I think facing a lot of balls teaches you to adjust to those periods and to recognise them. And I think um, it's an important part of batting. As we talk, the Aussies are singing the national anthem and Steve Smith and Marnus have got their eyes closed, look like they're in the shower, banging out the national anthem, which is good to see. <laughs> good to see the boys with a smile on their face and enjoying it. So, moving towards the end of the show, we've got a few questions. You did a post on Instagram earlier in the week, Reedy. Um, so, we're going to answer a few questions. What have we got? Um, well, the main one that stuck out to me was... Um what can we do when we, are, when we are out of runs? Do we need to play long innings out in the middle? And I think that just goes back to what we were discussing. Um, spending time in the middle, is, it's, that's the best place to learn and the best place to start understanding yourself and developing your blueprint of, of how you want to score your runs. I think um, so many young players that we see go out in the middle with, and they sort of hope that they're going to score runs. They don't really know where they're going to get them or how they're going to play at their best and or they might try and bat like someone else so um, I think this is a great question and something that yeah all young players need to try and understand a bit more yeah and and when you're out of runs I think that any time in the middle can sort of get you back into runs I think an ugly 30 where you face 80 balls can sort of I feel like the game gives rewards you for the hard work you put in at some point in the future. So if you can stay in and score an ugly 20 or 30 or whatever, well then you, you're, you're live. I've seen it so many times. You can get rewarded next innings or next innings after that. Whereas on the flip side, when you play a stupid shot or a rash shot, often you get punished the game after. And this is just my theory, but I've seen it many times where blokes play a cowboy shot and the next game they get out to a screen or they get out to a good ball that lifts or something... Whereas the guy that grinds 
for um, an innings. He gets a bit of luck the next innings go his way sort of thing. But my thing when you're out of runs is what we do is we, we generally we dwell on what's happened in recent times and we, we really sort of think about what's happened and we sort of play all the innings over and ahead and that creates really negative energy in our mind and our body. We, we, we overthink things and we're like really living in that those last few innings. No doubt, no doubt that you've scored runs or you've had good innings in the past. And what I encourage the athletes I work with to do is, is to go back, is to just move on from those previous failures. Whether it's three, four, five, six low scores, I think you've got to put them to bed and say, what's done is done. And I encourage the athletes that I work with to say, right, I want you to go back to a time where you were batting at your best. Think back to a time. Shut your eyes and think back to a time. You might have got one big score, you might have got a, a string of scores in a row, but what was it like? What were you doing? Where were you scoring? Where were you getting your boundaries? How were you playing? What did you feel like? And try and live in that time. Because that will create positive energy. It will create positive sort of thoughts and positive emotion. And when you walk to the middle next time, if you can be living, if you can be spending all your time thinking about those previous innings, you're going to walk to the middle feeling far more confident, feeling far more clear and far better about yourself and your game than if you've just spent the last week dwelling on five low scores. You're going to go there feeling really tense, really nervous, really anxious, and that's not where you're going to play your best cricket. So my encouragement would be if you're out of runs, go back to a time you're playing your best and live in that and you'll, you'll go out and you'll feel better. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. That sort of visualisation can just change how you, how you feel, give you that confidence. Try and visualise you facing the ball that you might be coming up against or when you previously have or whatever it might be. But I think it's also important to remember that when you're out of runs, you might not actually be out of form. So it's trying not to ride the roller coaster there and just take things as they come but keep trying to do the right things over and over. Yeah, and accept that the game is hard. The game is really hard. You're going to... Well, you're going to have more bad days than you have good days. Or well, first ball, ball, broad's fallen over, big appeal, Warner left it, hit him on the pad, and not out, broad's laughing after falling over. So you're going to have more bad days than good days as a batter. And you've got to accept that. If you deny that, you'll always be fighting against yourself in the game. You've got to really try and understand that the game is hard. And if you just keep putting in the work, you keep trying to do the right things, and you stay positive, and you trust that everything will be okay, you'll... If you keep doing the work, you will get runs eventually. And again, it comes back to when you do get runs, you turn your good days into great days. Well, then for me, that's what I think the best players are able to do. They're just able to park the low scores. Like you say, they might not be out of form. And then you just move on. And one final thing, a little story on from a personal point of view. At Christmas time last year, I've told you this story already. I've told a number of my athletes this story. That Christmas time last year, I decided I was going to retire from grade cricket. I sort of hadn't had scored many runs in the previous few years, wasn't enjoying it as much because I wasn't contributing and with a baby number two coming, I thought it was time I needed to be at home more. So I sort of going into the second half of the season, I decided I started to think back to when were the times I scored my runs? When did I do well? When were the innings I scored runs? And what did I do when I scored runs? And I started to get sort of think about certain innings and certain shots I played that I remember. Obviously, I don't remember everything, but certain shots or certain bowlers and I sort of started to work out what the trends were and I made a commitment that every time I drive to the ground on game day instead of calling someone or listening to the music or what a podcast or whatever 
I would put my favourite music on, music that made me feel good, and I would remember the innings that I'd done well. I'd remember the innings and the shots I'd played well, the, inning, the times I'd batted well. And what that did is by the time I got to the ground, I had this warm, fuzzy feeling in me, and I had this confidence that, yeah, I'm a good player. I can do this. Because we often forget what we've done in the past. We keep living in the now. And if we haven't got runs in recent times, we forget what we're capable of. And for me, that was such a powerful thing. And the second half of the season was the best I've batted in years. Got a few runs, got four fifties in my last five innings. You got me out in the other innings, trying to slog you over mid-wicket. Sure. But, but it was the best I've batted in a long time. And I really think that positive imagery, that positive visualisation, which wasn't wasn't visualising the future, but remembering what I'd done well in the past had a huge, huge impact on how I played and how I performed. So just a little tip or suggestion for anyone watching or listening. Now, let's move on. Hopefully that answered the question for those that were asking that. Yeah, that's a great summary. I don't think we give much more there. Yeah, exactly. So our performances or athlete of the week. Ready? Do you want to fill us in on a few players that did well over the last week or so? Um, well, we'll start off, we've got um, one of our... One of our mentors, current mentors, and he's a contracted player for Western Australia, um, Sam Fanning, and he's also one of Skull's former Demons teammates. So um, I think he's hit 109 off 146 balls. It's his third century of the season. He's absolutely flying. He's leading the runs, isn't he, in the competition? Yeah, he's 213 runs more than the next best, which is your teammate, Fraser Hay, who's also got 300s. But what's been the most impressive about Fanners is Fraser's got 300s, Fanners got 300s. Fanners has got 213 more runs because he's getting big hundreds. 109 on the weekend, but before that he got 166 not out and a 130 in the first few games of the year. 674 runs at 67. Awesome numbers. And again, it comes back to making good days, great days. He's, he's doing it beautifully this year. And he's obviously starting to understand how he wants to score hundreds. Um, going out there with a real good plan and starting to mature as a player as he's getting older and playing more first-grade cricket. Yeah, and understanding his game, exactly. So, uh, young Tyler Brown, 16-year-old, um, playing under 17. He's got 106 out of 145. And this was a match-winning innings from Tyler. He batting number three, went in at one for none. They were chasing 189 against Gosnells. Went in at one for none, got to two for eight, went to three for 16. And then him and Jordan Moranovic, a boy who you've done a little bit of work with, put on 174, and they lost their fourth wicket at um, the score, 191 run after, after well, when they were, had just won. So Tyler, 106 not out, 100, uh, first 117 cricket, so well done to Tyler. And finally, um, a big shout-out to our boy Teague, who starts the World Cup tonight. We've already mentioned him a couple of times, but... We really wish him the best. I think he's going to struggle. I think it's going to be a real challenge for him over there on spinning wickets in white ball cricket, which isn't his sort of number one format. I think it's going to be... We're not sort of putting too many expectations on him. It's going to be an amazing experience regardless of what happens. And also a shout-out to Cooper Connolly, who was um, is the captain of the Australian team, was part of our Building Champions program during COVID last year, him and a few, a few other young players. Um, and let's not forget, actually, I nearly did forget that Liam Blackford got an 80-odd last week or earlier this week in the Vic Super Slam, which is the T20 um, Victorian Premier Cricket T20, uh, T20 competition against Carlton, who are one of the better sides as well. So Black is doing some great things. Just He just missed out on the World Cup squad. He was one of the reserve players as a keeper batter, but he's doing some great things. And he was part of that Building Champions program along with Teague and Cooper last year. So great to see a few... Oz, um, of our, our athletes and also Harker at Badgewa 
who was is an online coaching client of mine. He's over at the World Cup. He was the best of the Aussie bowlers in their practice match against the against India. He's a bottom age player, a double bottom age player. So like Cooper two two years ago, he can go to the next World Cup. Um, and Harkarat's a fantastic off spin bowler, which with a very bright future. So we've got three. Um, current or former athletes over at the World Cup. Black has just missed out, so it was very, very exciting. And one more I've just remembered. Sam Rahali got his first grade 100 last weekend. He was another one part of our Building Champions program last year. Haven't done so much with um, Sammy for a little while, but st still stay in contact, and he's another one that we should give a mention to. So, yeah, fair bit going on. Yeah, the young boys all doing very well. So I'll just stop you there. Can we just go back to T? You've mentored him for a long time now. What is going on with his haircut right now? Oh, that one, yes. If anyone, for anyone that hasn't seen it, go to the Cricket Australia Instagram. It is, it is very interesting to say the least, but it sort of summed up, Teague up. Uh, he's his own man. Very well, much so. Well, I messaged him about it. We put something in our story asking our viewers, if, if, or our followers, if it was a, a good haircut or not, and he said, oh, under-19 World Cups are for bad haircuts, aren't they? Because you see the photos of Adam Zamper and Mitch Marsh and Cameron and those guys from 10 or 11 years ago, and, and you sort of think, oh, what were you thinking? So I don't know if Teague's done it on purpose, or that's how he's, he's wanting to look at the moment, but yes, it's an interesting one. And he's been dancing on his balcony in his World Cup kit, so yeah, you been, might get to see that if you're lucky. During isolation in the West Indies, it was a little bit... Um, yeah, a little bit bored, a little bit going a bit mad, not doing any cricket, not training, and he, he sent, sent me a few funny videos of him on his balcony. Um, and as we speak, Usman Kawhi just played and missed his first two balls off Ollie Robinson, then he's got off the mark, first runs for Australia. So, we're about to wrap up, Reedy. What are our predictions? What are our predictions for this fifth and final Ashes test? For the Aussies, none for two after 1.4 overs. My, my prediction is Usman's going to go again. And he's going to score 100 this test. Um, I think when a player's happy with where he's at, his life away from cricket, I think, and he's just peeled off two absolute belters, um, I think he's going to go again. And I, I think looking at this wicket, it actually looks pretty even and it's not doing an outrageous amount. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with that. Yeah, well, I think... Uh, I don't particularly agree there. I think Usman opening is a completely different kettle of fish. He's going to be really, really challenged against the new pink ball. I think Australia's going to be too strong again, but with England winning the toss, as I said, it make, it's going to make it more even. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring test match in the first innings in particular. Maybe in the second innings um, we might see a few more runs, but I'm backing Steve Smith for some runs. I think Steve Smith is too good a player. He'd be disappointed with this Ashes series. He, he's dominated the last few Ashes series, and I just think he'll be hungry. He'll be hungry to remind everyone of why he's such a good player. He's the best player in the world in this format. Um, and I think he'll be wanting to show Manus and Joe Root and every Warner and everyone else who are just chomping at his heels that he's still the man, and I'm back in smudge up for a few I runs. Think, I think he, deep down, would be pretty sick of watching Manus and yeah. the other boys go well. So um, I think he would be actually taking that to heart a bit and... This, yeah, this game's a big chance for him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, legends, that's it. We're going to wrap up the first Cricket Mentoring Show of 2022. We've recorded it um, today, day one of the fifth test. We're going to try and get it published and out to you guys ASAP. So thanks a lot for tuning in, whether you're watching on YouTube or you were listening on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, 
And yeah, I hope you enjoy uh, this. Let, give us some feedback, please. If you've got any, any sort of comments would be greatly appreciated, whether it's on the YouTube channel or on the podcast, send us a DM on Instagram. Make sure you check us out, obviously at Cricket Mentoring. We look at our DMs and, and we'll reply to as many as we possibly can. So any feedback would be greatly appreciated. Let us know what you think of Reedy's debut uh, on the podcast. He was pretty nervous before this, but I think he's gone all right, the young fella. Trained him well. Um, good luck to anyone who's playing cricket over the next over the weekend. Um, go out, get it done. Hope there's a tip or two in the podcast, in the show, which can help you with your cricket. So any final words, Reedy? No, just thanks for having me finally, mate. It's, uh, yeah, glad you think I was ready now. <laughs> Well, it was actually Reedy's idea this show, and I've, he sort of put it all together, so hopefully you enjoy it. So, cheers, Legends. Well, Legends, thanks a lot for listening to this episode, the first cricket mentoring show of this new series. Make sure you check us out on our social media platforms over on YouTube, Cricket Mentoring, and on Instagram, Cricket Mentoring. Check us out on TikTok, Cricket underscore Mentoring, where we're sharing lots and lots of content to try and help you guys become your best. So if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to this show. And we will see you in the next episode. Get it done, legends.